630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Okay, Maple Leafs now up. I almost called them the Maple Leafs. It wouldn't be any less grammatically incorrect than Leafs, right? They should be Leafs. The Maple Leafs. Leading the Capitals 3-1, that's after the first period. Also after the first, New Jersey taking it to Vancouver. It is 3-0 for the Devils in that one. Later game tonight, and again, Oil Country, you got to say go Boston in this one. The Bruins taking on the Kings. This one doesn't start until uh, after Inside Sports is over. It's the Bruins up against the Kings. Uh, Boston in a wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. They have won four in a row. And as I mentioned earlier, Todd McClellan and the LA Kings have won five straight. When we talk about the Oilers getting into the playoffs, and not just this year, but but in, uh, I mean, I guess they made it the last two years and uh, and made it in 2017. Now, uh, Calgary wasn't in last year, but Battle of Alberta. Could we Could we get the first Battle of Alberta? Since uh, since 1991, yes, we got a couple generations of hockey fans who have not experienced live the joy and hatred of an Oilers-Flames playoff series, which we saw several times in the uh, 1980s and then obviously in 1991, which was a seven-game classic won by Esatikin in, in Game 7 overtime. So that would be huge if that happens. Now, right now, Calgary with still, they have 31 games left, but Calgary well-positioned to win the division. Um, how about this for a storyline? Woodcroft versus McClellan in round one. I think that would be pretty interesting. I, now, again, not on the level of Oilers Flames, but I, I do think that would be interesting. McClellan was the coach in San Jose, had Woodcroft as an assistant, was the coach here, had Woodcroft as an assistant. The year that uh, Todd wound up getting fired here, Woodcroft went to the farm to coach Bakersfield. Eventually, Woodcroft comes up. The the mentor versus student storyline would figure in there. It's possible. Uh, it's possible. We'll see which way it goes for Vegas with some injury trouble. They've lost their last two. Maybe it's going to be L.A. and Edmonton second and third, and that's going to be the playoff showdown. Just something to keep in mind. Woodcroft versus McClellan in the first round. I think that would be uh, pretty compelling as well. Obviously, lots of Oilers storylines to dive in after they go one and two against three very good teams to start off this five-game road trip. You uh, cheered for him when he played for the Oilers. Now you see him do some uh, work as an analyst on Sportsnet. It is Luke Gazdick checking in tonight. Luke, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Reid. How about yourself? Doing very well. Uh, enjoy seeing you work with uh, with Gene again. I, I, you've really embraced it, eh? You've, you've hopped right into the broadcasting role. Looks like you're doing a good job. Yeah, it's great. I was kind of nervous at first. I kind of got cold called to do it. Uh, they wanted someone who was recently, you know, out of the game and living in Toronto and an ex-Oilers alumni. So um, I kind of fit the criteria. And I was, like I said, I was nervous at first, but um, I'm starting to settle in. It's fun. Gene makes it really easy on me, too. He's an absolute pro. And, uh, you know, I just get to sit around and watch hockey and drink coffee and talk about it. So it's not a bad gig. Yeah, it's it's not too bad at all. And now, it, what do you think of Gene's haircut? That's the big question. <laughs> I think it's a lot better than before. I'll say that. Um, no, the the new look uh, suits him pretty well. It's uh, it's a nice new look for him. 
Okay, awesome stuff. Uh, Connor McDavid might have a bit of a new look. He had to get some work done during the game. I'm going to assume over the course of your career, uh, there was probably some uh, some sort of dental work, lost tooth, bloody mouth uh, along the way. Is there something that stands out for you when that happened to Connor? You were thinking, oh yeah, I, I know what he's going through. Yeah, I mean, I've had uh, I've had the works on, on my jibs and my lips. Uh, I remember one um, the broadcast on Sunday. They actually zoomed in on it. Uh, I lost my. It's called your lateral incisor. It's your big left uh, chomping tooth. And uh, I was in Cleveland, and I actually got elbowed in the face. Um, and the tooth was literally in there. I remember taking my mouth guard out. The tooth almost came with it. Um, but I remember being back in the trainer's room. The dentist literally just ripped it right out there. And I think I played the rest of the game too. So I've had a couple sticks and pucks, but uh, I do remember getting elbowed and the thing just literally hanging out by a thread. Oh, that is. And, and I was talking with Rob Brown after the game yesterday on our on our show, and I said, and I want to get your perspective on this too. They must have to work incredibly quickly to get you back in the game. And a, and a lot of us, if we get, you know, something more than a cleaning, you take a half day off work or sometimes the full day. But you, like, you guys get right back out there. I know. Literally, uh, you, we're pretty much begging at them just to uh, to fix it, and then we'll do the whole thing when the game's over. <laughs> we we try to do the the shortest as possible. But you saw Connor. Connor took forever yesterday. So I'm not really sure what the full. Uh, diagnosis was on him i talked to another guy that plays on the team i talked to colton sevier and he said that he you know he chipped one of them or dislocated one of them but yeah we're really just trying to get back out there uh, as soon as possible all right well it was uh, an interesting three games for the Oilers, luke because they, they played the big boys i mean these teams three of the top four teams in the overall standings colorado's first overall um Fair to say they they won the game they should have lost and got zero points out of the games that they easily could have got one or two. Yeah, that's a decent way to frame it. I actually, yeah, I, I thought they could have won all three. Um, the Panthers game, like you said, Miko probably stole that one for them. Uh, but especially the one last, uh, I was going to say last night, but yesterday, um, I, I thought they deserved better yesterday. Just couldn't get the run support from the team. Freddie Anderson played, played pretty well, but I uh, thought they deserved better in both games, Tampa and, and Carolina. And man, they could have come out of there with six points. So a little disappointing that they only took one, but now uh, I think a lot of Oilers fans and Western Conference fans are seeing that the, uh, the top of the Eastern Conference is for real. Those teams are uh, the real deal. So when a team goes into a game like yesterday, and you're, you, you've, they've already been down some bodies up front for a couple of weeks with Pugliarvi and Cassian, and then Nuge misses most of the game on Saturday, and then it's like, oh, by the way, Yamo can't play. Um, you know, is well, what, what's the attitude when a team knows they have to rally or they have some guys maybe stepping into different positions? You mentioned Sevier playing a little higher in the lineup than he, than he might under normal circumstances. I actually think it gives you a boost. I've been in that position before where you're just depleted and you have guys that are normally extras, uh, healthy scratches in getting elevated minutes, guys like Seves and 
Uh, Derek Ryan's obviously played unreal and, you know, Benson, these guys coming in, I think it gives your team a boost. Obviously, it, you know, you don't have all your top guys, but uh, you're really rallying around each other and rallying around your goaltender, especially and, and playing as hard as you uh, possibly can. It's, you know, it's almost, I don't want to say it's better than playing with your full squad, but I, I definitely look at it as a positive rather than a negative. Yeah. Well, I guess you have no choice, right? You got to play with the lineup you have. So <laughs> away they went and they, yeah. and they, they did hang in there for sure do you i mean look they obviously had that tough 15 game spell where you know a lot of times they were missing players with COVID and injuries they bounced back and then lost a couple and Tippett got fired so they've gone through some games here they obviously had a really bad game against the minnesota wild maybe you can chalk up some fatigue there i know they didn't want to use it as an excuse and yes they got out chance against florida but they found a way to win but do you feel like generally the games have calm down is that a fair way to put it there may be fewer odd man rushes and grade a scoring chances against and if you know what are you seeing there i do feel like there's um, been some structure a little more structure added to the general overall games um I think the, the games this weekend were a little bit of a track meet here and there, especially the Florida game. That was that was kind of a, an outlier. But I do think, um, and it's in large part, I think, to Jay Woodcroft in there. I played for Woody for a full year and got to see how he works and how he operates. Has definitely in, implemented some some structure. You saw late in the game uh, in Florida, they're playing this back 1-3-1 in the neutral zone, which I never really saw under tip before which is a lot more defensive late in the game um kind of locking down that neutral zone trying to stop the rushes from from the panthers so that was one thing i noticed but definitely yeah a little more structure and um and a little more um you know togetherness i guess tell me a little bit about the anything that's that's kind of stuck with you from when you did play for uh for woodcroft i mean i remember hearing an interview with him a couple years ago uh, I, I might have even done it actually <laughs> when he was with Bakersfield and he kind of said, you know, he, he named each month. I can't remember what he said, but he, you know, he said, this is our growth month. This is our maintained month or, or, or whatever. What, what's stuck with you from your season with him? Well, you're right. He, um, he, I said it on the air the other day. He's like a student of the game. He's always learning and he's always teaching. He, uh, he used to carry around his laptop, like in, in his right arm, like, like a newborn baby. Like he, he always had it by his side and he would find you anywhere in the rank, you know, whether you were in the gym or you were eating breakfast, he'd find you and he'd say, well, you know, where's Gazzy? And he'd say, you know, I got some clips for you. And he'd sit right beside you and, and throw on, you know, maybe it was from last night or maybe it was another player in the league. He used to always do that. He'd be like, you know, look at, you know, what, player you know this person on nashville did on this play and so he's always watching stuff he's very meticulous very detailed and loves setting goals and um definitely loves that kind of leadership and, and motivation side of it so i definitely enjoyed my time under him he, he always had a sense of purpose and direction and and that helped me a lot as kind of a guy that was in and out of the lineup do players well maybe i'll ask about you but if you have a general answer as well do, do players did you care about the level of hockey a guy played did that factor in at all did it did it take a guy who didn't play in the nhl longer to win you over as a coach or did that not even factor in i think in my whole time playing hockey that's the first time i've ever been asked that read <laughs> uh it's a really good question and i'm gonna be honest at first yes i think there's a little more you know sense of comfortability with a guy that's done it and been there and done that but 
not naming any names. I've played for guys that played for a long time that uh, I've, I've liked guys, you know, I played for Glenn Gulletson for, for uh, two years in Texas and, and Woody as well. And I've played for guys that I've really liked a lot that didn't have too much, you know, pro experience or, or even a high level of playing experience. So uh, maybe at first a little bit for your comfortability sake, but then uh, I've come to learn that there's guys that have been great that, you know, don't have that experience. Yeah. Okay. And it's funny. I, I had Craig McTavish on the show last week leading into this road trip. And he said, if he were a coach, he would be more worried about games four and five of this road trip, because he said coming off that Minnesota game facing high end opponents, he he would have felt comfortable. The effort level was going to be there. Cause you don't want to get whipped again. Um, like you did against the wild. F- fair concern for you for a former player, different perspective than, than the former coach about these final two games coming up. No, I think Mac's pretty bang on there. I actually said this to Gene um, when we were kind of talking about it to each other after we went off air um, against the Hurricanes yesterday. That <clears throat> the two games are are they can't be overlooked. Like they're pretty important. Um, I know the two teams, like seventh in the Metro, Flyers are, and obviously the Hawks are towards the the bottom of the standings. But they need four points. Like there's no way around that. Um, you can't be walking out. You you got to go two for two and. I know you take it one game at a time in Philly, but Philly's a place that I, I don't know stats wise, but I remember when I played, we typically didn't do well there. And uh, it's a tough building to play in. Um, you just can't overlook them. Don't get uh, too complacent here, even though you just lost, but don't be walking in thinking it's going to be a cakewalk because they're not just going to hand them over to you, but definitely two really, really important games. Well, the Philly fans are the ones that booed Santa Claus or threw snowballs at Santa Claus or whatever. I guess that was an oh, Eagles man. game, but... <laughs> Philly fans are brutal. I, I always hated to go into, I don't even know what it's called now, Wells Fargo or whatever, but I always hated playing there. Uh, like they're right on you? Just like, did they yell at you in the tunnel or you just hear them all the yeah, time? Yeah, Even on the street? I, everything. Like it started from the tunnel and then I was always in and out of the box in there. And I just remember them just leaning over and just carving into me. And I just remember thinking, I was like, this is, it's like 2015. I'm like, this feels like the 80s. I got a beer thrown at me on the, coming out of the tunnel after I fought uh, someone one night. And I just remember thinking like, this isn't like 1985 here. Like this is 2015, but they're brutal. They're, they're all over and it's loud and everyone's wearing jerseys it's uh it's a pretty intimidating atmosphere okay well hopefully the oilers can uh, figure it out tomorrow night luke it's always great having you on the show uh it'll be good seeing you on tv for the other two games this week and i'm sure uh more times with gene later on in the season as well you're doing a great job thanks so much for hopping on i appreciate it reed anytime that is Luke Gazdick now doing some work as an analyst on Sportsnet, former Edmonton Oiler, not a fan of Philadelphia. Not a fan of Philadelphia and the Flyers fans. My good, you know who's not a fan of Philadelphia in general is uh, Bob Stoffer. We'll have to talk about that on the Faceoff Show tomorrow. Bob hates Philly. Just, I think everything. I, I think the fans, the sports teams, the the arena, the fact that their stupid bell has a crack in it, like fix that already. Anyway, 3.30 face-off show tomorrow, game at 5, Oilers at Flyers. Remember, the Flyers uh, beat the Oilers early in the season. That was actually Edmonton's first loss of the year back in October. Happy to hear from you. The Certainty Hotline is 780-496-0063. Jack Michaels is coming up between 7 and 7.30. Who knows where that's going to go? We're also going to catch up with uh, Golden Bears hockey coach Ian Herbers as they're getting ready for playoff games this weekend. Uh, amazing performance by former Golden Bear Derek Ryan lately. And, and have you seen this teaser, this little teaser spot 
that apparently the Elks are doing something with their helmets. I'll tell you what's going on when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. So the Oilers Community Foundation has this mega multi-day 50-50 going on. Three more game days, tomorrow, Thursday, and Saturday, supporting a couple of great causes, Wounded Warriors Canada and Operation Frontline Impact. Tomorrow, tickets will be on sale from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. There's an early bird draw of $15,000 that's going to be made at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. The total jackpot, and remember, this keeps building uh, till Saturday. So you can buy tomorrow, Thursday, and Saturday when the Oilers play the Canadians. The total jackpot right now after the first three games, $1.5 million. So I, I I said earlier that I, I think it's going to get – I think it'll get to $4 million. By the time we get a couple more games, the momentum builds. Maybe some people are waiting until Saturday to buy their ticket. But generally, the Saturday home games have the most purchase power. So I think that's going to be a, a big one. So you, you, you get half of that pot. It's currently at $1.5 I think – I mean, at this race, it should get over three easily. I think it's going to get to four, and it helps out Wounded Warriors Canada and Operation Frontline Impact. So remember the uh, mega multi-day 50-50. You go to the Oilers website to get a ticket, which I'm sure you've done before. So still three more game days. They got six game days going for this. Really, really cool. Kellen Kennedy back at the 630 Shed Broadcasting Compound. Uh, Kellen, I know obviously hey. you know, being an Edmontonian, you're a big supporter of the Oilers and the Elks. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen these little teaser videos? the Elks have done yeah the, uh, fresh, a fresh one dropped today with a whole bunch of alumni in it I noticed so so it's got uh David Beard current player and it's got Mookie Mitchell who we've mm-hmm. had on the show several times yes and, and uh, Heck Pothier who's been on the show several yes. times as well former members of the double E and they are looking at what appears to be uh, a new helmet for the team and also if you've seen the the team on social media they've they've put this this date stamp uh three three twenty two which is uh that's thursday already and it kind of shows an extreme close-up of part of the helmet yes and you can't really see what is on the helmet except it it has a stripe down the middle which i'm glad is coming back uh i i gotta say the elk antlers kind of grew on me last year um though i missed the the stripe down the middle so this looks like it's got the same gold primary color with a green stripe with uh, white outline stripes that'll go down the middle and through to the back and it was interesting listening to the reactions of beard pothier and and mitchell because they say things so like it said timeless you know it honors the past but it's something to look forward to in the future so i'm just going to make a prediction and i and i believe this uh, it's it's going to be unveiled uh, I think it's 10.30 or 11.30 Thursday morning, and then they'll have some some media people or, or some people speaking to the media about it in the afternoon. If, if I had to make a prediction based on what I've seen and and uh, and my, uh, my, my intuition, which, let's face it, is quite powerful, I'm sort of like those precogs in Minority Report. 
based on that and uh, th that image that they put out so far, I, it looks like the antlers are gone. I don't think the antlers are going to be on the helmet. So is it going to be some sort some form of the double E? Is it going to be the the new Elks logo that was unveiled when they changed the name of the team? I, d I don't know for sure, but I I'm pretty sure the the antler on each side is going to be gone. Now there's still a uniform to unveil, and they have that antler logo that was on the helmet, and they got that antler football, which is really cool. Maybe that's going to turn up on the uniform somewhere, but I think this is going to be an antlerless helmet when it's unveiled on Thursday. Just something to keep in mind. Jack Michaels coming up on Inside Sports after the news. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.